0: Hey, welcome back. First and ten training camp tonight on the TV side. We'll have more on the Jags uh, team coverage coming up from the first padded practice. So you can watch it uh, tonight, 1115 on CBS 47 and Fox 30. Make sure you check that out. Weeknights for the next few weeks. How about we should be playing a preseason game this week? We should be normally having a uh, high school football like week one. Crazy times. Uh, you know, I have like these Facebook memories, and it's all like in Minnesota, in New England, uh, you know, getting ready for that first preseason game or Baltimore or whatever it is. So it's a different year, different calendar. Uh, but like i said before the break we are going to run some classic games on CBS 47 and Fox 30 and that should be a lot of fun already getting a lot of good feedback about it uh, my only que- my only request is to be patient and check back on the dates and times and which games they are because it looks like it's a bit more fluid uh, than we expected there are some changes being made but we are going to have them uh, which is good news it uh, looks like on at least the next 3 friday nights um and and then there's a fourth to be determined uh, on the date is the latest update that I've gotten. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Coos. Uh, last week, we were talking about Florida State. We do FSU at four around here. And uh, the Knolls obviously, uh, will be on ESPN 690 with football and basketball uh, coming up as uh, we are your station for the Seminoles football and hoops here in Jacksonville on ESPN 690. But last week, we talked about the problems Mike Norvell was having. We kind of sided. I I think if we took a side, we somewhat sided with Norvell because we didn't get any specifics from the players on what was going on. Well, they've mended fences again. Yeah. What's your take on now, Florida State, now that, uh, you know, when we talked about this on Friday, I think it was Norvell basically said the Marvin Wilson situation, he apologized. Instantaneous. He's like, hey, I could have handled that better. I should have i'm a I'm sorry, we're gonna work this out. this situation he did not. Mm-hmm. He's stuck in the sand on this one, and he was like hey we're we're doing things right, yeah, well, here we are a couple of days later. now they've talked, and it looks like things are okay again, and it doesn't feel like right now this is going to linger. Anymore. I mean, I can't imagine you can do this every few months and things are going no. to be all right. No, you can't. But do you think it's a, a big – as big of a roadblock as it might have appeared to be last week? I, I mean, has anything changed my opinion
1: about how I feel about Norvell right now in terms of how he's building this program? Absolutely not because I will say what I said last week. I don't care – If we're talking about your parenting skills, if we're talking about a marriage, if we're talking about a work relationship with some of your coworkers, communication is key, especially in the realms of college football and especially when you're trying to build up a new program. And once again, we don't have all the details, and I agree with you. I think we sided with Mike Norvell just because the other side, you know, Exhibit A, B, C, D, we had nothing to work with, man, all right? All we had was some kind of very vague, um, you know, tweet and that's all we had to go off of. So, yeah, I think Norvell, I probably sided with him more than the player. But once again, the fact that it got to that point and the fact that it got brought up to, uh, on the Twitter airwaves or the Twitter sphere, it, it echoes a lot of things, Brent, because once again. It's, it's a lack of miscommunication. I don't care who's wrong or right. I just care that people are on the same page. And hopefully right now, this is the last time we have to talk about a head coach and one of his players not being on the same page. <laughs> yeah, I, kind, I mean, you go do
0: this so much. but well, yeah. I, what you, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, but I do wonder once again, I think once you do resolve these things, and is it just the frustration of what's going on? Is it we don't like some of the things about it, we have a voice now. Listen, the student-athlete voice has never been so prevalent. Sure. And sometimes when you have that and you feel like you have that, you don't channel that the right way. Sure. Like, that could have been what happened. It's kind of what it sounds like did maybe happened. And we're at an interesting crossroads with that kind of stuff. You know? If you're not Nick Saban, if you're I – mean, I don't even know if Dabble Sweeney safe – if I mean, well, if he, you're not Nick Saban, yeah, Swinney uh, Swin- Swin- wasn't for the, the things that he was. The, the, he had the shirt on, the, the yes. OAN shirt. But that was more
1: outsiders. I'm talking internal. I mean, you know, it was football-related because he's the coach, but it wasn't football-related as in terms of how he's handling his players. Yeah. It was related to the fact that he was wearing a T-shirt that maybe some people
0: had a problem with. And and he got called out by former players, yep. too, as well. So I guess my point in this, outside of Saban, <laughs> because Sabin Saban, is any coach safe from a player pretty much telling you how they feel on social media or anywhere else because there's a there's a level of empowerment that maybe didn't exist before used to be a level of fear I don't, oh, without I think, a doubt. I think that fear line is just washed away, man. I mean, it's not there anymore. There's probably some that still fear that. I don't yeah. want to go run sprints. I don't want to get my scholarship taken away. I don't want to end up in the doghouse. Sure. But I'm telling you, it's almost being embraced to come out and talk and say on all different things, and some of them very important. But it's almost like, hey, if you got some laundry, air it out right here. Listen,
1: Brent, it's simple. Whether it's college football or the modern-day NFL, the game has gone from a dictatorship to a democracy, all right? Not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's the way it is now. So with that being said, with Nick Saban, listen, I've never talked to Nick Saban. I've never met Nick Saban. But I have a pretty good idea of the type of you know, camp that Nick Saban runs. I have a pretty a good idea of what I see in the sidelines, what type of coach Nick Saban is. You hardly ever hear his current college football players speak out against him, especially on Twitter. Right, I mean, I know him and Ronnie Harrison had had a little beef, yeah, but that after. was after. Yep. Okay, so you hardly ever see it during, you, you know, the, 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 their, their tenure. Let's just say uh, in the college football program. Well, that's set up by design because he knows how to establish that culture, and he knows how to run the program. Now, with that, well, Sweeney, once again. Yes, players called him out, but I don't think it was necessarily for his coaching. I don't think it was necessarily for, you know, how he handled some of his athletes. It was for a shirt that he was wearing, I think, on a fishing trip, right? So that's a different kind of thing as well. So to me, if you come in, you establish the culture, and you get the guys to believe, to buy in and believe in you, well, then you're all good to go. When you don't do that, though, when you have players going on Twitter and you kind of lose control of the team because, once again, it is a democracy – well then that falls on the coach and it falls on the coach first and foremost now I get it man players these days they're they're a different breed Brent, we talk about it all the time right and and people want to call him soft I'm not going to do that you know how I feel about that kind of verbiage but players are definitely different and they're more self-aware but it's the coach's job then to try to adapt to his quote unquote employees and make sure that he gets their best out of them simple as that
0: yeah uh, we'll see I mean it's a it's a tenuous time to be a coach because it's like you felt like you had this kind of the old what state happens in the locker room stays in the locker room thing is it's, it's yeah. not true uh well i'm just yeah it's I'm, not true it's, anymore. it's not true anymore it's not and happening you know what and i'm thankful that
1: i grew up in the generation that i did not played football when i did because this generation right now and you know me being outspoken and always speak my mind i probably would have <laughs> lasted maybe a year in college and maybe Two, two training camp practices in the NFL, and then I, I would have been gone. They, they, they would have
0: sent me packing home, and I would probably be uh – uh Who knows what I'd be doing right now? I wouldn't be on the show, though. Hey, the other uh, thing that's happening in uh, uh, Tallahassee is Florida State wants to play that 11th game on their schedule. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had initially had Samford set to play.
1: Scared of the hatch attack. They had it (laughs) back out, Brett. Scared (laughs) of that hatch attack. Murray State Uh,
0: alum. What's up, Coach Hatch? uh, Seminole said uh, this morning on social media, we are committed to playing an 11-game schedule and anticipate naming our non-conference opponent in the coming days. Uh, Here's the deal. The Southern Conference, that's where Samford belongs. uh, That's where they play. Uh, They uh, canceled conference Mm -hmm. play on Thursday. So uh, and it must be. I I think at least the article I'm looking at with the Samford game, they left the door open at the time uh, to have to play some non-conference stuff. But it looks like they've decided not to and, and it won't happen, which. Makes sense. I mean, if you're not going to play conference games, to schedule a bunch of non conference games now doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. I mean, I,
1: well, especially against, let's be honest, no offense to Coach Hatch here, but a cupcake team as well.
0: Well, uh, but for non-conference. I mean, well, yeah, well, yeah. not a cupcake for, for for Sanford. I mean, but it would no, be yeah, a more of a I'm game, money game. Yeah. yeah, money game. Well, which maybe is why you try to keep it in that sense.
1: Oh, I guess if you're Florida
0: State. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, Florida State, from a, a, well, you fill out that 11th game, but from Sanford's perspective, perspective you're getting paid to play them true no, no and samper almost beat them last year
1: they, they did i, I obviously I think samper needs that game a lot more than florida state yes, needs that yes. game i mean yeah, it begs the question especially with this era and this landscape right now how much does if you're florida state
0: playing samper really benefit you in this environment yeah so they're gonna, it looks like they're gonna try to fill that gap uh in the schedule which i think would come on the 19th of september uh so we'll just see what happens. just so we're clear and i'm sure fans out there are wondering there's no chance that we see the Florida, Florida State, still, right? I mean, this is it's not going to happen. Uh, for, uh, the SEC, won't allow, the SEC it. won't allow it. Yeah. yeah, that's a big thing. Uh, so, anyway, the SEC did announce their opening games. They're going to announce the rest of the schedule tonight. And there's a lot of. Uh, this is intriguing. I don't think that Florida, Georgia game is going to move hmm. from late October to anywhere else. I, I don't see why it would move. It's always been there. They're playing. The city's ready for it. Then the NFL schedule actually is somewhat built around that. Mm -hmm. And the NFL schedule hasn't moved at all. Uh, I say the NFL schedule, but the Jags NFL schedule is somewhat built around that weekend. So I can't imagine it moving. Uh, I've seen some people curious whether it will. I don't think it will. uh, But that will be something to watch tonight when Florida's and and Georgia's schedule uh, comes out. But they did announce the opening week games. Mississippi State at LSU. Uh, Alabama at Missouri, Georgia at Arkansas, Tennessee, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Texas A&M, Kentucky at Auburn, Florida at Ole Miss. Quite frankly, uh, yeah, the value of games there in terms uh, – not really great. Uh, well, and
1: can we send an edible arrangement to Missouri? Because you see that schedule yes. they got to play,
0: man. It's unbelievable. Hey, our
1: condolences go out to the Missouri Tigers this year in the SEC.
0: Well, did you see the report where the SEC coaches were really not hap- – they got yeah. into it on yeah. the conference call, and a lot it. of it was like – okay, you looks like you guys took care of Georgia, Florida, Alabama yep. because those are the teams that have the best chance to maybe do something on the national scene, and you hammered Arkansas, Missouri, and and others yep. because they don't have much of a chance, yep. and so now they got to play this murderer's row of a schedule, yep. and they weren't happy about it. They, said, they, like, they need nah, pretty wild. Yeah,
1: I, I, well, and you know how it is. Like, well, it's SEC. Every opponent's tough. Well, Not really. yeah, but let's be honest here. There's there's levels to this game right now. Unfortunately, Missouri and Arkansas, man, they're uh, they're at that boss level, let's just
0: say. Interesting thing about uh, Florida at Ole Miss is, of course, that will be the uh, debut for Lane Kiffin, mm-hmm. uh, who's now the coach uh, over there. Well, I think Oxford.
1: I have been more successful than your dude at Mississippi State. Ring the bell, by the way. Yes. And Mike, Mike Leach, Leach. Leach. So, yeah.
0: I'll, I'll be watching very closely those games, Brent. Of course. Uh, we have many a-bets. You have many a-bets. could happen. Uh, like, I still, I was thinking of this the other day, because you cash in on, what did you just cash in on? What bet? Uh, it wasn't really a bet. It was one, one of my predictions. Your predictions, Well,
1: yeah. shorts. It was the shorts thing. Oh, the shorts thing.
0: And also, the, 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 the
1: fullback thing is still alive, because now we're bringing back guys from like five years ago <laughs> off the streets out of
0: nowhere to come play fullback. Yeah. Yeah. And Bruce Miller signed Bruce uh, Miller, the Jags. Yeah. Which is an interesting Pick up on a lot of different levels. Yeah. Uh, So I'll get into more of his story down the road. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe uh, I'll tell you this. The least interesting part of his story is that he's the all-time sack leader at UCF. Which is crazy. And he plays fullback in it. But that's the least maybe interesting part of his story. Yeah, yeah. Guy's been through a lot, let's just say. Uh, Yes. Um, But speaking of bets, I was like, oh, I wonder with the agent situation with Jan – If I get a chance to cash in on one of my predictions, which is him in camp before Labor Day. Oh, that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I said before Labor Day, because a lot of people anticipate like that weekend or whatever. But I've got to hit. Well, I got to hit before that weekend. You do. Uh, So. But, uh, you know, but hey, if you listen, just take your time, man. You know, hey, wh- where's the
1: fire? Take your time. Make sure your mentals are right. Make sure your body's right. And come back when you feel
0: like it. Don't listen to your agent. All right? It's the Jan show. It ain't the agent show. I've got a question for you. Yeah. If you're, and you know how agents work. Sure. I, I thought of this yesterday. If I'm Jan, mm-hmm. I w- would would I even hire an agent right now? I've got a tag that I could sign for $17.8 million. Why would I want the agent to have any part of that? So here's the thing. When okay, well,
1: what does Yannick Ngakwe want right now?
0: Once we More traded, and a correct. New deal.
1: Correct. So, how do you go about getting traded? Obviously, it falls on the team to try to shop your name out there, but also the agent can do that as well. This is why you see a lot of guys sometimes when they want that new contract, when they want to be traded, they drop their current agent and they go to Rosenhouse. For whatever reason, Rosenhouse has a rolodex of every single NFL scout, every single NFL GM in the league, and. There's a lot, and once again, I'm not sure if this is true or not, but I've talked to some players about this. There's a there's a school of thought that thinks that Drew Rosenhaus, when you sign with him, there's a better opportunity to get traded and go where you want to because of his connections, as opposed to maybe being with a smaller agency. Interesting. So, if Yannick Ngakwe wants to sign with a bigger agency, I can see him doing it as soon as possible because then maybe that agent can get their feelers out there a little bit, see where teams are at, and maybe try to work a trade themselves. Once again, this is just what I've I've talked to players about this before, not gonna name any names, but this is what I've heard about guys like Drew Rosenhaus.
0: Yeah. Oh, I get I get it. I get yeah. it. So that's just but okay. Let's say let's say Jan is like, All right, they've they're not trading me. Like I've I want to go. I've been trying to get out of here for eight months. Mm-hmm. They're not trading me. From a dollar stand, like if if they did, if he, did, if he did, hires Rosenhaus, right? Yeah. Just uh, again, we just use it as an example, mm-hmm. and because I don't know how this part works, I really don't. But if he hires an agent, and uh, or no, let's just say, yeah, he hires Rosenhaus mm-hmm. and he signs a tag because they can't move him. Mm-hmm. But he signs a tag because that's the first thing the agent is going to do is say, sign the tag, seventeen point eight million. We'll figure out the rest after, right? Yeah. We're we're kind of convinced that's what the agent's going to do, and but does the agent get a cut of that?
1: So say, say that scenario one more
0: time. You, so the AMG, he hires Rosenhaus. Rosenhaus, first thing he says is, sign the tag. Yeah. And then we'll worry about moving you. We're going to try to move you. So what But, but that does, tag, does Rosenhaus get part of the 17.8? Why wouldn't he? I mean, that's that's part of your annual salary. Okay, so that, this is what my point is. Yeah. If I'm Jan, yeah. I would say... Well, I'm gonna sign the tag, and there's a really good chance I'm not getting traded. I haven't been traded. Oh so, no! Okay, I, I'm I'm gonna sign my no, 17 points. Okay. okay. I'm, I'm sorry, I
1: was a little confused. No, you can't do that because here's why, Brent. So you know how it works in the NFL. If Yannick Ngakwe signs his franchise tag, what is that? That's 18 something million dollars. But keep in mind, he doesn't get the 18 million dollars all up front. Where does he get it? He gets it after he plays the game. Right. So theoretically, Yannick Ngakwe would have to go the whole season without an agent for him to keep that money. If he signs an agent before the season starts, regardless if he signs a franchise tag, however much money Yannick Ngakwe is making, that agent would get a percentage of that paycheck every single week.
0: I got you. Yeah. Uh, and now the from an agent perspective, mm-hmm. would you say, hey, listen, that was yours before I was here. I don't need as high a percentage or whatever. But when, but I'm here to work out that new deal, or it's, that's where I'm going to really get paid. Yeah. So I you, mean, do you, I mean, do, does that work in that – or they're no, like, give me no, my damn no, money. No, 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 listen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen. Show I'm, me not, the money. I'm not sure if you've seen Jerry Maguire before, <laughs> but it's pretty much like a documentary, if you will. Um, but couldn't that be a selling point? if, if, I, if I, Listen, if I'm an agent right now, say there's 10 agents, yeah. and you know Jan, who's up for a new deal, probably a deal that's going to be – let's just say it at the very least is going to be worth $80 million. I want that client. Sure. So would I say, hey man, don't I'll take a smaller percentage right here or a, a cut? Well, yeah. So, th-
1: so there's always arguments of like what kind of percentage an agent can get, right? And especially for like your 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 first your contract. So if you want to count that franchise tag is still "quote unquote" part of that first year contract, well then yes, an agent can say, you know what, man, I'm not going to u- take my s- usual standard fee here. Let's go ahead and drop it down a little bit. Sounds good. And then on that second contract, I'm going back to my base fee. And then sometimes they can agree on that part. I'm not sure how often that really happens or not, but that, that, that's kind of something sure that could happen. But once again, just keep in mind, that franchise tag, when Yadikin Gakwe signs it, he doesn't see that money until the season starts yeah. and then after every single game. So if he's with an agent, man, and that agent's out there you know, trying to ship him off and trying to call teams, things like that, the agent's still doing the job. So I have a hard time saying, well, you know what? L- let me just uh, go and do this pro bono, if you will. <laughs> yeah. I'll about uh, Doctor Quinn medicine woman. You remember that show? She was yes. doing pro bono all the time. I said, "There's a pull for there you." Um, that's not how it works in NFL. There, there's no pro bono. Usually, usually you got to pay for something. What's the standard rate for an agent? Oh, dude, I can't remember. I want to say
0: five percent. I think
1: it's five percent. Okay. So I think
0: some do four, but I want to say it's five. Let's just. I'm going to do some quick math for you. Okay. If he does play all the games, and he gets seventeen point eight million, yeah. His agent's going to get. Almost a million. 890,000. Yeah. Use, it's not bad. Yeah. Not a little bad deal to walk into in the middle of August. Listen. And none. And the old agent doesn't get any of that. He, he's not on the hook for anything. The old agent? I mean, yeah. No. Not no. He fired. Because
1: no, he, he's fired. And obviously, he, he was fired before he started that season. And he got his paycheck. So the old agent doesn't get anything. So usually, yeah, I looked it up. It's between 3 and
0: 10%. Yeah. it Could go anywhere. Yeah. Okay. But well, here's... Okay. I got one more scenario. Hit me with it. Say... The old agent was the one driving everything out of town, driving them out of town, dri- sure. trying to get them out of town. Mm-hmm. Now that there's been some conversations, Jan's like, you know what? I'm going to sign my tag mm-hmm. and then I might even see how this goes and work out an extension here. Mm-hmm. OK, let's just say, because if you're going to do the trade thing, you want an agent because the tra- he can help oh, navigate the trade.
1: You don't facilitate that. But for my sure. point
0: in this is, why don't more players try to do their own deals I think Bobby Wagner did his deal recently, right? And yeah. it was a good deal. But you have the parameters mm-hmm. in place, don't you? I mean, we know like where the deal's supposed to fall, yeah. somewhere in there. And, well, and then you don't have to give them that cut. See, here's the problem, though. Yeah, if you're at it, you'd be like, you know what? I want to be in Jacksonville.
1: Let's go ahead and get this contract. Let's say $18 million a year. Let's play. All right? And maybe they agree to it, and that's all good. But where, where you get the agent, where the agent is important, it's that fine print stuff. It's the incentives. It's the bonuses. It's those escalator type of deals where it's like, yeah. hey, if I get a Pro Bowl, I get extra so amount of money. Because that's why agents are so crucial, because they do these deals every single day. They've, they've seen the ins and outs of contracts. NFL players haven't. NFL players, I would be like, all right, where do I sign? All right, cool, $10 million. Yep, sweet. Check account. Good. Done. Let's go, let's go buy a new car. Wire that money. Let's get some 26-inch rims and recommend the <laughs> Arby's drive through on Southside Parking Lot. Like an Agent
0: idiot. didn't say that. Agent didn't say
1: anything like that. So let's go do that. It's not the player's job to know exactly what goes into the contract. It's the player's job to know how much money he's making. Okay? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's the way it is. So the agent's job is to kind of fine pl- pl- print those details, mm-hmm. those escalators, those incentives, things like that. Now, a player can do that. But then the player has to go all around the league and he's got to see so and so contracts. What is he getting? What is he getting? What are, what are his bonuses like? It's a lot of work and obviously you'd rather have to pay somebody for it to
0: spend their energy on it than do it yourself. Yeah. I, I just, I wonder and you wonder, like, I think it was, uh, I mean, several players have had bad experiences mm-hmm. and you don't know. I mean, Jan's might have been a fine experience the most part and just his snag and, and here we are. But if you just, there's got to be a trust level there. That, right. Yeah. And and now that you wonder where his trust level is with anybody, given the last year uh, of what happened and has transpired. Uh, so it, it's pretty interesting um, from from that respect. And that's why I thought about it. I'm like, yeah, you really wonder. Don't you wonder right now where Jan's mind is at because of the firing of the agent or the, yeah. the splitting of the agent? Uh, you really wonder. It looked like they were Lockstep on here's what we want. We're getting out of here, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and find me a way out of here. We're going to do whatever we can. We're going to draw this line in the sand and we're going to do all this. We're going to try this. We're going to try that. We're gonna... Well, now you kind of wonder okay, well, what went wrong? Why now? And where's his mind at if he's already had conversations with the Jags since the agent and him split? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have to assume the communication lines are starting to open a little bit. So. It's a really hard gauge, um, and I'm actually starting to like my prediction of him getting in before Labor Day more than I did two weeks ago. <laughs> no, I mean, listen, and, and
1: I, as I would as well. Um, I think if you are the agent, like I said, the agent's job is to make money. It's not to be your friend, okay? And to make your prediction right, I think the wise one would be, like, all right, Jan, listen, I know you want to get out of Jacksonville. Sounds great. You have $17, 18000000 million on the table with this franchise tag, but also keep in mind – you know, if you want to get a chunk of this money, if you want to sign, we probably need you to get the training camp a little earlier because, right, this this is a new year and guys are already getting hurt, right? And the last thing I want to see happen in, quote-unquote, a, a contract year for Yannick Ngakwe is to knock on wood, get, a, get a, an injury. That's the last thing you want for him to happen. So how do you do that? How do you prevent that? You get to camp a little earlier. You get acclimated. Go at your own pace. Don't go crazy. Go at your own pace. We get
0: acclimated. So by the time week one, Phillip Rivers comes to town, you're ready to roll. I got one more thing on this because I'm starting to think about it. from yeah. Jan, I always think about it from Jan's perspective. Why don't players, or maybe he did, we don't know, uh, but why wouldn't Jan lean on somebody more like Calais in these kind of situations? Or other players. I mean, it might be Patrick Peterson. It might I don't know. It might be Von Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, might be whoever. Mm-hmm. But, it, I mean, Calais was right here. But if you wanted to go sit down and have lunch with Calais or go do a FaceTime call with Calais right now and ask him about this, we all have those people. I mean, listen, the money in every bi- money in our business is like nobody wants to tell you what they're making. Like you have no idea as yeah. you're growing up in our business. I'm talking TV, radio kind of business. Nobody, you have it's not out for the public to see. Uh, you have no idea if this guy makes twenty five thousand or a hundred thousand. You have no idea as like a, a young pup coming out of college. Like I wonder what I could make someday. They just offer you something and you take it because it's a job. But there's always those people as you go along where you can then lean on, be like, hey, is this kind of – do you think this is ballpark right or whatever? Why why don't players do that a little bit more, especially with a guy like Calais? I think Calais because Calais just appears like – I mean, Calais could be Jan's agent. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you bring that up because I remember
1: my experiences – because, listen, every every locker room is going to deal with somebody who's going through a new contract just the way it is in the NFL. But I remember, like, I don't want to call those conversations taboo, but those conversations just never really occurred. Like, you, you obviously wanted your teammates to make as much money as possible. And uh, and when they did and you supported them, like when Josh Scobie signed his new thing and he got that Aston Martin, we were playing Aston Martin music by, by Rick Ross. Like, it was a celebration. You know what I'm saying? Congratulations, you're a kicker. You're driving an Aston Martin. So much swag on Josh Scobie. So, like, you're obviously excited for him. But, like, you don't really discuss those kind of details, and I I, I don't know why. I mean, it's just just the way it is. Now, maybe it's different now. I have no idea, but to me, those conversations came from your agent, right? And, like, those conversations came from different agents and things like that. They didn't come from the inner workings of a locker room, which, when you think about it, doesn't really make a lot of sense. Now, once again, maybe that has changed um, since I played football, but I'm just saying, when I was in the locker room, we didn't really talk about, like, you know, the, the new contracts and things like that. Yeah,
0: and I think the interesting part here is there's got to be an age separation. There's got to be a – because you're not going to talk about with your peers, like what – like I'm talking about your, your guy, you're older or younger. That yeah. can create animosity and things like that. But you think a guy like Calais who's made a m- bunch of money and doesn't care if Jan's making $30 million, yeah. a, you know a year and probably well, wants yeah, him he to. He wants him to, yeah. Right? How could he not? So – He's not going to be jealous of whatever he signs. He's not going to do anything like that, but you could really lean on – heck, in the NFL and professional sports, they all – as athletes, you guys have these vehicles to be a, hey, here's how to spend your money. Here's what not to do. But it doesn't seem like there's the communication as much as how much should I get. What's a fair deal? What would it look like? I don't know. It seems like some players could help other players more in that regard.
1: They could definitely help each other out, but at the end of the day, Brent – you know, it's, the ego is a heck of a thing, right? Yeah. And, and and when you're in line for a new contract, you're always going to think that you should be making more than what, maybe what your teammates think. That, yeah. So that's just the bottom that's line. True. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, your so, business
0: is your business. There's, yeah. there's that train of thought too, as yeah. we talk out loud about it. Um, I, I, I understand that. Uh, speaking of Calais Campbell, uh, a thought or two on that, how it's, it's almost idiotic to now say, did the Jags make a mistake trading Calais Campbell? Hindsight's twenty twenty, obviously. But we actually almost had this conversation on Friday, and we didn't. Mm-hmm. I almost asked you that on Friday, and that was prior to what we knew about Gunter. Mm-hmm. Did the Jags make a mistake trading away Calais Campbell at this point? I mean, it's... Hindsight is absolutely is the answer. Well, right? and listen,
1: I was so adamant about this the day that he got traded. I remember I called him the show. I was heading home back to Wisconsin. Clayus Campbell gets traded. I called him the show and I said it was a mistake because I understand Calais Campbell um, commanded a lot of money. I forgot what the overall uh, price tag would have been to keep him on the team. About fifteen mil. But 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 I, but I remember saying this. I'm like, you're not only paying for Clayus Campbell and his on the field production, which is still high, but you're paying for that leadership on the field and off the field as well, because he shows you how to be a true professional. And if you remember the whole Gus Bradley era, where they had a problem was they had way too many young guys and no one to bridge the young guys to how it's supposed to go down. Calais Campbell was that bridge, and you let him go for a fifth-round pick, essentially. You know how I felt about that.
0: Yeah, a little bit more on that first in practice today. Justin Fields petition is it going to get anywhere? And the NBA playoffs are underway. We've got our first winner of the 2020 playoffs. Playoffs are happening.
1: Nuggets uh, minus five was really stressful there.
0: Well, so much for the tease. <laughs> so much for degenerate gambling. I mean, on the show everybody <laughs> was waiting to hear from us if Utah or yeah. Denver won, yeah. right? Yeah. Thanks, So we we'll we'll no
1: And then I'm covering the spread? Oh, yeah. And then the it too, right?
0: Yeah, they won in overtime by there 10. Go.
1: There it is. Yeah, by 10. It was a little... <laughs> and uh, did Don
0: Mitchell have over 29, 29.5 points? Yes, he had 31 at one time. There uh, you go. That's what we call a <laughs> Dinner on Austin. We'll be back on ESPN 690. <laughs> Brent Martineau. never heard of what happened in Iowa yesterday, and I don't even know how to pronounce the name of it. DeRachio. Austin Lane. Iowa State Cyclones.
1: You should call them the Derechos. You can shorten it up call them the Chows. Why not, man? I'm into it.
0: Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I
1: mean, I can't control you know anybody's health or anything. We just got to keep going, and hopefully the guys that you know that are behind those guys, the guys that we have here now, just have to you know play a bigger bigger step in this role. And the guys that we bring in to replace those guys, just we have to hold them to a higher standard, and hold, they got to hold themselves to a higher standard. So right now we're just looking just to you know keep playing, keep our heads up high, and just do what we can for right now because we can't control if somebody's health reasons or somebody's just not here, we can't really help that. So I'm gonna do what I need to do, and Abe's gonna do what he need. Taven, Smooth. All them guys going to do what they need
0: to do, and we're just going to have the ball. That is Josh Allen. I'm telling you, every time he talks, you can't help but like him a little more. Yeah. He, and, and Kuz probably play a little some of it later, uh, maybe find the Fournette bite, because it's really interesting to hear Josh Allen. If you just, again, I kind of like the way the Zooms are set up. Because I feel like I'm listening in its entirety instead of like at fifteen to twenty second clips of just answering the same question. Like I mean you listen to it that way, but you also consume it kind of differently. Mm-hmm. And I there's and I come away with things. And so I'm listening to Josh Allen. It's not like I've never heard him before. We've interviewed him plenty of times. We know he's 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 taken on a leadership role. He's staying after with on Chase on we think he's gonna be a fantastic player for a long, long time, coming off a great rookie year. We know all these things. But it's almost like, like he was asked about Leonard. He was asked about Kayla He was asked about these different guys, and it's like he's taken upon himself to be their cheerleader, mm. and almost like their marketing person. <laughs> almost their, I mean, seriously, it, it's uh, it, it was interesting to hear him talk about like each guy. Uh, I think he might have mentioned Taven in there, some others too. But that's what I came away with. I'm like, my goodness, like he is. Whether he's really trying to do this or not, he might just be naturally like it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you you really could tell in the Leonard situation. He talked about, he says he talks to Leonard all the time about football, about family, about all these other things. Uh, He's like, Leonard is not how he's being perceived. And he's also saying, I think Leonard's like one of the best backs in the game. Now, that's a common thing when you play with teammates and you see him on the practice field every day. And that's kind of what you have to go off, especially this time of year. Mm-hmm. You rave about the guys that you're seeing, right? So Leonard could look really good. Uh, I don't know if most people would say he's, one, he's like top five back in the league. Sure. If he watched Alvin Kamara play or if he watched Gurley play or if he watched all these other guys playing back, he might notice, okay, there is a little different level. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, But it, just the way he does, I mean, there's nobody that kind of needs a public hug from a teammate. More than Leonard Fournette. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're you know, all, uh, no, I, you're you're absolutely right. I'm Doug Marone today, but yeah, just because. <laughs> yeah, he needs a hug. Yeah, for sure. But you get my point. And Josh Allen, without really being prompted to do so like that, he kind of did it.
1: Is it safe to say right now that one of the safest options of buying a Jaguars jersey, if you want to, is getting a Josh Allen one? Because you, you know right now how the Jaguars jerseys are. You got you buy the guy and he's gone in two years. <laughs> he gets traded away, whatever he wants out. Is is Josh Allen the safest pick right now for Jaguars has out there to get a, a a quality player's jersey? Probably, yeah. Okay, there you go. Um, with Leonard Fournette, yeah. Listen, Leonard Fournette, I think is really misunderstood. Now, you know, we we've had guests on this show that that have spoken out against Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette is obviously counter back on Twitter, and hey, thanks for upping our views up by the way by doing that. All right. <laughs> big time, big time. <laughs> um. All I have to go off of is what I hear from, you know, his peers and what I see on the field and what I see at practice and sometimes if I'm in the locker room. All right. And Leonard Fournette Leonard Fournette to me has never really inclined the fact that he's ever been a bad teammate. Now, yes, there was an incident in Houston a couple years back where he was sitting on the sidelines. I think that was more of frustration from the front office. I don't think he really quit, quote unquote, on his teammates there. There was a time in Buffalo when he threw that punch. To me, if I'm a teammate, I appreciate that. Okay. I celebrate that. You may not want to hear that, but that teammates celebrate that kind of thing. So to me, and you saw frustration last year in that John Filippo offense, especially in the red zone when, you know, we're, we're getting these, these stretch run plays and they're going for minus two, minus three yards a pop. And he comes off the field and he's throwing his helmet and he's upset. Okay, I think you just got a guy, Brent, that wants to be successful. It's still maybe a child at heart at the same time, but that wants to be successful, okay? And we talked about it before. Going forward now in a contract year, not necessarily for the contract for the Jacksonville Jaguars, but a contract someplace else, I think it's going to be a big year for him. And I think we saw last year a little bit that he's taken the strides, that he's taken the responsibility of cutting some of those, you know, maybe the, the, the bad people out of his life. And he's focusing on football. So we can only assume right now that he'll take another step again going forward. I'm just surprised. And keep in mind where that's coming from right now, right? He wants to have a big year. But essentially, he's trying to have a big year for a team who was rumored to want to trade him during the draft. Okay? For a team that wanted to ship him off and say, hey, thanks for your services. We're going to go someplace else. So that's kind of an,
0: an awkward thing, too. Yeah, I kind of feel like... It's funny. We're switching. We're talking Josh Allen. I want to uh, yeah. mention Calais Campbell too. Uh, one more moment, but now on to Leonard Fournette, and it's a lot like the Cam Robinson discussion we had last week, where he's kind of criticized and maligned for the what the first three years have been like. Yeah, but I think you could turn it around and give him praise for playing through and being ready and toughing it out and and, and going to battle for his guys, even though he wasn't ready to do that last year. Instead you get criticism for making the effort because you probably weren't as good as you could have been. Yeah. But the alternative was okay don't go play until eight weeks in mm-hmm. and then I'll be ready. So it's a little bit like that conversation now with Leonard. I remembered sitting down with Leonard Fournette before last season and we're in the locker room, I like got a picture right now. We did a story, it was like a preseason story. And part of the story I framed the the theme to be was how misunderstood he is hmm. you know because it was around a lot of what he does for the kids and the and the fans and sends and them cleats you, you've seen that i mean that's, all that's this fantastic yeah. well isn't it kind of like a year later we're still talking about leonard fournette might be misunderstood huh. yeah a year later mm-hmm. uh, and again you know when we had that conversation I was even a little taken back. Uh, Mark Long brought up some specifics on it, and I again we hear different things. We cover the team in different ways, and I hadn't heard as much of that stuff. Um, but the bottom line is, they did try to trade him. Correct. I mean, yeah. that, that you can't sweep that under the rug. They tried to trade him for a reason. That's facts. So it's he is. Uh, I, we had this conversation. We've had these conversations. Leonard Fournette to me is one of the most interesting characters, players this franchise has ever had. In my opinion, it really is. Mm -hmm. Uh, But to the point of all of that and fast forward to right now in the present, I think you got to give the guy credit for getting these kind of reviews from his teammates. Good reviews, at least in front of a microphone from coaches and and other players. And also, if all that was going on, team tried to trade me. Not sure if they want to utilize me the way uh, they have in the past. Bad rap from everyone else. Uh, Covid nineteen, this would be a great time to complain and moan and be a distraction. I don't think people realize this, how big of a deal it is when a team tries to trade you away. Absolutely, and, and once again, we don't know
1: what exactly it was for. But from what I heard, was it wasn't a lot. They
0: tried to trade away.
1: Yeah, but I mean, for what though? You know, yeah. it's like a first round pick. Although well, I can see that obviously for net, but it wasn't that. It was didn't, like didn't it, it was a low round pick, from what I heard. So with that being said, I don't think people understand how hard it is then to in turn come back to your job. After they showed it out and said, you know what? We don't really want you here, but we couldn't give you away. And so, all right, well, welcome back. That's a hard situation to be in if you're Leonard Fournette. Yeah.
0: It's, it's, again, we're going to talk Josh Allen and, yeah. and Calais Campbell a bit, but we got on Leonard Fournette. Just got me thinking. I mean, he could easily be a distraction is my point. But but I think he knows the game as well. I understand. It's a big year for him. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you can still be a distraction. And bottom line is, if you produce, you're probably going to be okay. Correct. So as long as he produces during the year. I I just – again, I don't know, man. He is a a misunderstood guy. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, I I like hearing that from Josh Allen. I mean, Josh Allen – his teammates have his back, it appears to be, at least some of them. Yeah. Um, and th- that's a good sign. Uh, thought on uh, Leonard Fournette, it looks like on the line. Steven's hanging around, Action Sports Chats on ESPN 690. And then we'll get to a little bit more on Calais. Campbell, I just asked a question out there. What's up, Steven? Hey, not too much. How about you guys? Hey, we're good, man.
1: Uh, yeah, my opinion on Leonard Fournette and everybody, I don't think they noticed last year how much he matured from what he was when he first started. I mean, I can remember two instances
0: last year, like the Denver game, when they started going after Cam Robinson those last few minutes to cause a penalty, and after
1: they made the kick, Leonard came out there and started yelling at Cam Robinson, saying, you almost cost us the game, you've got to think better about that. And then the Jets game, where Poole got in his face and started clapping in his face and he didn't flinch.
0: Two years ago, he would have laid pull out. Yeah. Hey, Steven. that man, shows how much he improved. Yeah, Stephen, great point, man. I, I kind of forgot about those instances, too, in fairness to Leonard. Those I forgot were, about the Cam Robinson The Denver one, one was a great – I was there for that, man. Yeah. That was a great moment for Leonard. I mean, again, that was kind of what we were seeing. It yeah. felt like you saw a maturation with Leonard Fournette in, in that sense. So, again – well, it's, you know, who knows, right? Who knows? Uh, he, But I'm just saying this. For a guy who's been un- criticized, for a guy who was going to be traded, all this stuff, I think he's handled it pretty well, at least publicly. We don't know yeah. what's going on behind closed doors. We don't know. He's handled it pretty well. Yeah, and, and listen. Very well. I think that Jacksonville Jaguars would, would be
1: blind to the fact that if they didn't recognize that Leonard Fournette made strides last year in his maturity, and his on-the-field presence. I mean, they would absolutely be blind and naive if they didn't see that. Where the trade talk can come from, though, a little bit, I feel like, is the fact that the writing's on the wall for Leonard Fournette next year for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's not going to be here. So I think from Jacksonville's perspective, they're thinking, well, he's not going to be here. Can we at least try to get something for him? But the problem is that when you do things like that, you essentially throw away the season. Like, we don't talk about Brent. I think we brought up on the show before. You know, when they got rid of Calais Campbell, A.J. Boye, oof, the tanking man, the, the, the throwing the towel in. I think the deciding factor for you, if I remember you saying and I agreed with you, the deciding factor, if they would to trade away Leonard Fournette, I, I would have been all aboard the, the tanking train. Because then you trade away Leonard Fournette for whatever it was, a third-round pick, a fourth-round pick, a fifth-round pick, that goes to show you right there because of how big um of an influence he was to that offense. If you trade him away, then you're definitely tanking. But the, the, the fact that he's still here, it gives you intrigue. Now, don't get it twisted. I understand it's gardner Mintrew's team going forward and everything like that. But gardner Mintrew's success is also going to stem from Leonard Fournette being able to run the ball. Yeah, and,
0: and I think they are moving away from a Leonard Fournette focus on offense. But that doesn't mean they're moving away from Leonard Fournette. Yeah. I mean, he still can be very productive for them. That's a big difference mm-hmm. uh, right there. Okay, so we teased this segment, uh, and, and we talked about it right at the end of the segment prior. But I want to get into it a little bit more. I mean, it is crystal clear now. You thought anyway. But it's crystal clear now the Jaguars wish they didn't trade Calais Campbell. I mean, they're happy for Calais. He's in Baltimore and he's got a chance. We're all happy for Calais. he got a chance to win a Super Bowl. You can't say that here in Jacksonville. Uh, I don't care. Uh, listen, I own the damn club, Sunshine and Rainbows. <laughs> but we don't talk about Super Bowls and club membership in 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? Yeah. yeah. So it's it's good for Calais. He's in a good spot. Yeah. Uh but now with Gunther out, with their with the the nature of their defensive line, um, shoot, some people thought this anyway. Yeah, you included. Yeah, uh, it's crystal clear. I mean, they they it, it wasn't worth saving fifteen million dollars. It wasn't worth a fifth round pick. I mean, they would you'd feel a heck of a lot better. Yeah, if you had Calais Campbell, and and I guess in hindsight you probably wouldn't have brought Gunther in. Correct.
1: Well, and listen, and I was at, I told you how important I think Gunter was.
0: All right. And it absolutely
1: sucks. And I'm heartbroken from the fact that, you know, he's having these issues. I think it's a nice gesture by the Jaguars saying, hey, you know what? Let's bring him back as, a, as some kind of coach or some kind of um, ambassador, or whatever it's going to be. But he's going to be on that football team yeah, in some capacity. a nice gesture for a guy
0: who's never put on the uniform. Yeah,
1: but he's going to be on that team, hopefully, in some capacity, which is a, it's a great gesture. So that's awesome. But I was very adamant about what I thought Gunter brought, not only for some experience, but also on the field. Now we look at this depth chart, Brent. And we look at this defensive line. Yeah, Timmy Jernigan coming in, but keep in mind, he hasn't spent a lot of time on the Jacksonville Jaguars. To me right now, you ever see the movie, from uh, the Titans? Yes, you ever see I that have. Movie? You know that scene where I Rev... I when I can answer yes hey. to that question. So, do, do you know that scene where Rev gets hurt and they need a new quarterback and uh, Denzel Washington goes to uh, the sunshine and goes, Hey, when I, when I was young, I had to step up, right? I had... 10 brothers, sisters, whatever, and they're defending on me. I had to be the guy going forward. And they send Sunshine out there and Sunshine does a great job. It's Josh Allen now. That's essentially Josh Allen. Josh Allen is Sunshine because there's really nobody left. Yeah, you have Avery Jones who will be on the field, you know, maybe 30% of the time, 25% of the time. But besides that, you need Josh Allen to be the man now. You, you you're requiring a second year guy, still trying to gather his bearings in the NFL, to be the go-to guy now on that defensive line in that locker
0: room. I feel a pregame story. Good. Remember yeah. the Titans and Josh Allen. I yeah. like it. We'll be back five <laughs> o'clock hour coming up. A little NBA talk next on ESPN six ninety.